It's time for TMA Extra Dose. You can follow along on Twitter at SlamRadioXM. Now, TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton only on SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio. Hey, what's going on? You're checking out TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton here on Slam Radio Sirius Channel 145. I'm Nick Hamilton, your host. And yes, Jam Pack Show once again. Uh, NFL Week 1 is in the books. We'll talk a little bit about that, as well as the NBA playoffs. Who's going to the conference finals? Who's going to be sent home out the bubble? And you'll get a brand new tech I like to call My Three Cents. When I talk about anything and everything, whether it's sports-related, pop culture, politics, entertainment, whatever it is, whatever's trending, that's what I'm going to talk about. So, week one, NFL. First of all, we didn't even know if we were going to have an NFL season because of what was going on with COVID-19 back in March and the beginnings of that. Also, with everything that's going on with social injustice, uh, police brutality, and everything that's going on in our country, we didn't know what where the NFL stood as it pertained to even having a season or could they even finish a season. But fortunately, through some great planning and preparation, there were no OTAs, there were no rookie camps, there were no mini camps, but they did have a training camp that was shortened uh, and they were able to go ahead and get the season started without any preseason games. So week one looked a little sloppy. There was talk about it being eerie. There was talk about it being weird because there were no fans or at least a limited amount of fans in the stands across the NFL landscape. And so to me, when I started watching the league, first of all, I was excited. I don't know how excited everyone listening was, but I was absolutely excited because we finally had some sports. We finally had more sports and we had the number one sport in the NFL. There were some changes along the way during the preseason. Uh, Cam Newton changed teams. Cam Newton is now a member of the New England Patriots. Tom Brady moved down south to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And let's just say Tom Brady's welcome was not so welcoming in the New Orleans Superdome. So Cam Newton played like like we expected Cam Newton to play. Now, mind you, Cam Newton hasn't really played a complete season in about two years due to injuries. Cam Newton looked well. Looked like he got off to a slow start, but ended up finding his rhythm. And he moved on and, and, and captured a win in his first ever New England Patriots debut, 21-11. Now, what was interesting is that Cam was still Cam. And the fact that the thing that stood out to me was the fact that Bill Belichick, who's known to be a disciplinarian, who's known to be straight leg, sleeveless, the whole nine, allowed Cam Newton to be Cam Newton. And that was the most significant thing in the elevation of, of getting wins in 2020, especially with the departure of Tom Brady and so many other players who elected not to play because of COVID-19. But Cam Newton ran the ball. Cam Newton threw the ball, made sure he got his teammates involved. And there was a little skirmish at the end of the game that uh, guys got a little hot on the collar. And let me tell you something. Cam Newton is a big dude. He's not a dude to be fool- to be fooling with. And let's just take a listen to what Cam Newton had to say regarding the little scrimmage at the end of the game. Nah, I got my chain. I still got my chain. I got two of them, so you can see. Nah. It was disrespectful. They was reaching for my chain, though. They was reaching for my chain. Um, 
And I think that that kind of got up under my skin. But yeah, through it all, man, listen, I do not want the, I don't want nothing to be taken away from a great team game that we did have. Uh, and I don't want to be selfish to kind of focus or dwell on that. I think for us as a team or me personally, you know, a lot of uh, tempers can flare. And, you know, I was just teasing with coaches, letting them know like, that College Park almost came out me. So, you know, yet through it all, man, it was just all fun and games. And, um, you know, it was expected. All right. See, I told you guys Cam Newton is not nobody to play with. You remember that Dr. Dre song, Forget About Dre, when Dre said, y'all going to mess around and turn me back into the old me? That sounds like Cam Newton, right? So we'll see what happens uh, with week two as Cam Newton moves forward. First win under his belt. But it, things weren't so lucky for Tom Brady. Now, we know Tom Brady's a future Hall of Famer, six-time NFL champion. He decided to move on from the New England Patriots, or maybe it was a mutual decision, and he decided to showcase his talents with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Many people thought it might have been the Los Angeles Chargers, but nope. Tampa Bay Bucks happened to be the destination. Wasn't a warm welcome for him in the Superdome because the New Orleans Saints picked him apart. He had he did score a touchdown. He did score a rushing touchdown. He threw for one, but he was picked off twice. Now, this was the first time in about maybe uh, two seasons that he had multiple picks, which is unconstitutional for Brady. But as Brady gets older, things like this are going to happen. And mind you, there was no preseason. There was no so it it takes time for a lot of these guys to find their rhythm, and that was the most surprising thing is the fact that everybody had these such high expectations for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. But for the simple fact, guess what? It's going to take time. They didn't have any preseason. They had very little training camp under COVID conditions. How are you supposed? How are you really supposed to gym? Can't do it. It's going to take them several games before we start seeing the real Tampa Bay Bucks and who they really are and what their identity is moving forward. New Orleans Saints look absolutely phenomenal. They look like they hadn't missed a step. Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, those guys went in there and took care of business. Speaking of taking care of business, Lamar Jackson, 2019 reigning MVP, looked it looked as stellar as he could possibly look for the 2020 season. He destroyed the Cleveland Browns 38 to six. Let's just say the Browns truly crapped the bed that day. And there, and this is, this was a shellacking that we're going to see with the Cleveland Browns a few more times throughout this season, because the Cleveland Browns simply aren't there. They didn't look co- like a cohesive unit. We know they have talent with Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham and those guys, but they didn't look like a cohesive unit. They looked like they played a bunch a bunch of individuals were put together, and now you guys go on out there and play football. Baltimore Ravens look like a championship contending team. I know it's only week one, and I know I said earlier about teams being having an opportunity to jail, but it also takes you also know when you have so much talent and guys are, are really, really, really locked in to making sure they play best week in and week out. Baltimore Ravens are a team that if they stay healthy and they're able to finish the season, this is a team to look out for in the playoffs. And this is a team that look to look out for heading towards the Super Bowl. I know many people may say, oh, you know what? Lamar Jackson had a great year last year, but he, he, you know, he fumbled the ball, so to speak, in the playoffs. He didn't get the team 
to where they needed to be. And I understand that. But remember, Lamar Jackson is a very quick learner. If you recall his rookie year, when he, and, and when he finally made the play, his playoff debut as a starter and the Chargers came in there and pretty much laid him down and welcomed him to the NFL playoff style, look what happened the following year. He turned into the league's MVP. Yes, he had issues in the playoffs this past season and don't think that he didn't properly study and prepare himself for the upcoming playoffs in 2020. Don't think that won't happen. We won't see a repeat of Lamar Jackson doing what he did last year, this coming year, once his team makes the playoffs. You can mark my words on that. The Dallas Cowboys came into a brand new SoFi Stadium in in Inglewood, California, the brand new $5 billion playpen, the home to the Los Angeles Rams and Los Angeles Chargers on Sunday night. Now, everybody picked the Dallas Cowboys because of Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott. They, they were supposed to have a good O-line, have a much better defense than the Rams were supposed to have. And guess what happened? Jared Goff and the Los Angeles Rams on their first few series looked absolutely flawless. They could not be stopped. The only difficulty that the, that the Rams had in the first half was trying to stop Zeke Elliott from eating. And we all know that's a tall task in itself. So there's no way that you're going to stop Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott is going to get his, much like Dak will get his from time to time. But in the second half, the Rams defense, who did have a lot more questions and answers in certain positions, stepped up big time and put a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott. Now, there was a few controversial moves or calls that were made in that game. When the Dallas Cowboys, I believe, were in the 20 or 25-yard line range, and it was fourth and three, instead of them going ahead to kick the field goal to tie the game to try to force overtime, they tried to go for it, and guess what happens? Yeah, the Rams secondary stepped up big time. Not only that, when the Rams had another, excuse me, when the, when the Cowboys had another opportunity down the stretch late in the fourth quarter to try to complete a play, and Jalen Ramsey, Mr. Moneybags Malone, I like to call him, made a huge play and earned at least a huge portion of his check when there was an offensive pass interference call. And I know a lot of people say, oh, that wasn't passing, that was an offensive pass interference. All oh, the Cowboys got robbed. This, that, and the third. Listen, understand this about referees. People forget that referees are human. They're going to make error. They're going to make mistakes. The one thing I learned about being a referee when I went to this camp and I had a chance to cover this, this mini camp, I should say, and they allowed us to be like refs and put our, ha- put our heads under the helmet and we had two minutes to look at eight pieces of film and then make a determination on what the call would be. It's tough. But for you to have to allow your team to come down to that, where it becomes a final call to determine the outcome of, your, of a game, whether it's a win or a loss, that's your fault. And yes, it was offensive pass interference. Plain and simple. If you look at the play and you recall what the play was, it was definitely offensive pass interference. No question. So to me, listen, the Rams got a win, surprised a lot of people, a three-point win, which I thought it was going to be more. Uh, but the Rams move on, 1-0. The, the Cowboys have a lot of questions to answer. They do have talent. 
but they have to figure out how to put all that talent together. Amari Cooper was definitely on a milk carton for the most part of the game. Um, they're going to have to figure out ways to get him more involved along with CeeDee Lamb. So the Cowboys have their work cut out for them. The Los Angeles Chargers went to Cincinnati to face the number one draft pick in Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And let me tell you something. Joe Burrow was absolutely impressive to me. I mean, the way not only did he have a QB draw when he scored his first touchdown, but the way he, he composed himself and was, was able to calm himself down throughout the game to make those throws, to put pressure on the Chargers defense more so, uh, was absolutely Again, just absolutely incredible and impressive to me. I think Joe Burrow will have a really bright future in this league if the Cincinnati Bengals can continue to surround him with some more talent. Um, And then also get him a damn kicker. I mean, how devastating is it for you to lose a game that you put your heart and soul in and you lose because your kicker can't hit the damn uprights? What is that about? But also credit goes to the Los Angeles Chargers defense who put a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow. Uh, Joey Bosa, his former teammate from college, sacked him. Uh, Joe Burrow tried to do a shovel pass and tried to do too much. It's intercepted by uh, Melvin Ingram. So little plays like that cost the Cincinnati Bengals the game. And the Chargers, who are defensive-wise, are well-oiled machines. Let me tell you something. These guys are the real deal. I know they lost... Uh, Derwin James to an injury for the season but they know how to fill the gaps enough to get the win they won by three and uh let me tell you something a guy who was impressive to me on offense was rookie Joshua Kelly who in the second half Anthony Lynn went to and said in a post-game press conference when we spoke with him we wouldn't have won this game without Joshua Kelly so we'll see what happens with week two there's a lot going on week two We'll see how impressive the plays will get, and hopefully the games will be much more interesting without fans. All right, y'all, coming up after the break, we got a special guest to break down all the NBA playoff action as well as what he saw in week one in the NFL. He's none other than JR from JR Sport Brief on CBS Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 206 that you can catch every weeknight, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. We're going to get into that. You're checking out Slam Radio, Sirius Channels 145, TMA, Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton. Make sure you stay tuned. Don't go away. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lloyd. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio, Sirius XM. Yeah. This man needs no introduction, but I will give him one anyway. He is the one and only one half of the odd couple that you can listen to every weeknight from 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. You can catch him on a plethora of platforms on FS1, whether it's The Herd, whether it's Undisputed, giving Skip the Business, or you can check him out on various radio stations filling in. He's the hardest working man in the business. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one and only Mr. Rob Parker. What's going on, Rob? How you doing? Great, Nick. How are you, man? Thanks for having me and thanks for the kind words. You know, I'm always hustling. I'm a hustler. Oh, yeah. We see the the work that you put in. And so it's great to have you on. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us here on the program. 
what I wanted to ask you about, obviously, these NBA playoffs have been absolutely incredible. I mean, there have been a lot of different surprises going on, teams being sent home that we didn't think would be sent home, top seeds being sent out of the bubble. What have been what has been your your impression or thoughts about this whole NBA playoffs inside of the bubble? I think it's really the games have been compelling, which has been surprising. Some, some few duds, but most of the games have been really compelling. And obviously, you get a seven-game series with uh, Boston and Toronto. You know, Toronto's trying to make a move without Kawhi. I said that they basically kind of turned back into the Toronto that we knew, which was to have a great regular season, but they they just can't get there. And Milwaukee obviously being knocked out. A lot of people had the best record in the NBA this past year. Before the pandemic, they were putting together one of the greatest statistical seasons and greatest seasons a team had put together. I mean, so much so, Giannis will win his second MVP in talking with most of the writers and, and you know, and looking at the polls, it looks like he's going to, you know, win his second straight MVP. So um, that was probably the most shocking. Everything else is basically kind of playing out the way I thought it would, especially when you talk about the Lakers and Clippers in the West. I think most people looked at that and said that would be the Western Conference Finals, and it looks like that's where it will be. When you talk about the Eastern Conference, you talked about Giannis, uh, Giannis two-time MVP, more than likely. Uh, you got the Defensive Player of the Year award. But to me, I, I said it would be a huge mistake for Giannis and his career if he decided to stay in Milwaukee long term, obviously he'll be up for an extension this coming year before he's an available free agent after this upcoming season. What are your thoughts on Giannis? Should he stay? Should he go? Because to me, it sounds like if Giannis does stay, he has the KG syndrome before the lucky trade happened in 08. Yeah, I'm not buying into that. I think he's a great player. I don't think you need to just run to go somewhere else. I think that maybe they can get a player to come play with him. I mean, look at what they've accomplished. And, not, I mean, I get it. They got knocked out last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. This year was very disappointing. There's no – I'm not even trying to poo-poo it. It was very disappointing. People thought they'd be better. But Giannis has gotten better every year and improved. And, and I just – Michael Jordan, it took him seven years before he won a championship. He didn't have to go anywhere. LeBron, it took nine years. And uh, he went somewhere else to go, you know, get make it happen. So I'm not one to say that he has to cut and run and that they can't build around him. I just I just think it's a matter of upgrading. If you get one other star player to join in and then Chris Middleton moves down one spot as the third player, which is probably where he should be, I, I don't look at it like they don't have a shot. I think Giannis will only get better. I think if he works on a move or a shot mid-range, something that they can go to when they need a basket. It's not It's not like reinventing the wheel. And he's improved every year, so I think there's a chance. So I, I'm, I'm not, I, you know, the NBA where everybody just wants people, yeah, go to Miami or, or, <laughs> or go to Golden State or whatever. I, I'm just not, I'm not in that group when it comes to, to uh, the NBA. That's why even though Kawhi moved on, I have the utmost respect. That, that he had easy street. He could have gone to the Lakers, joined Anthony Davis and LeBron James. There was money, a spot, everything. He'd be playing in the same arena, same city, and he still chose not to go. I, I just have the, the you know, I, I love it. 
like, and if he's able to to beat LeBron and the Lakers, man, that's the ultimate. That he had easy street and he passed it up. Who wants easy street? I want competition. I want to be able to crown, you know, say I put it together and I won. I think that's more rewarding. Even in LeBron's case, I think he cut bait and ran too early. I thought LeBron would win a championship at two. Maybe he doesn't get to nine, but if LeBron stayed in Cleveland and went two and one or, you know, or three and four, right. three out of four, man, that, that would have been just fine. Going and losing did, doesn't really make you any better. And I just thought that, uh, I just, that that's just me. I, I thought LeBron would eventually win, and I think he panicked. Well, you know, that's an interesting point, because when I look at Kawhi Leonard, I I do have the same type of respect for Kawhi. I feel like his legacy will be everywhere I've gone, I've won, or at least made the franchise better than I left it. Uh, When I look at LeBron James, I never had a problem with LeBron leaving, because I understood the first time why he left Cleveland, because the ownership, and they weren't giving him the proper help that he needed to win. And if you're going to play in this league, obviously the goal is to win as many chips as you can get, because that's how you're going to be remembered and recognized. But when I look at Kawhi and I look at LeBron, and I want to ask you this as well, if LeBron doesn't win the chip this year, do we question his legacy? And if Kawhi doesn't win the chip, how do we question his legacy moving forward? Uh, LeBron's legacy is set. I think people know he's a great player. It's just a matter of, I think, if he doesn't win with Anthony Davis and he had the best record in the West and all that, and, and Kawhi and the Clippers beat him at his own game, I think you just stop the uh, GOAT conversation. I think even the LeBron minions will have to admit that like 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 he had Anthony Davis right he got the guy he wanted right they had the best record in the West and the Clippers still beat him you know when when it mattered most so so I think people will just think of it that way Kawhi you know Kawhi has a chance because he's still young mm-hmm. he's not old he's got another eight years or so to you know to play so he could win a couple more championships but but th- the key is. So so if he doesn't say he gets to the championship and they don't win or, or they don't get there or whatever, uh, it's not the end of the world. Like he, he put the, the Clippers, if they win another game and get to the Western Conference Finals, that's something they've never done in their franchise history. So I think for Kawhi, though, if he does win the championship, which I believe he will, and is the MVP, it'll be hard not to recognize this guy as one of, event. you know, when his career is all said and done, one of the 10 greatest players to go to three different places and, and win a championship and win a, a finals MVP, even without regular season MVPs. I, you know, I, I think they're great, but you know, do you want to be Steve Nash with back-to-back regular season MVPs or would you rather be Kawhi Leonard with three championships, three different teams and three finals MVPs? I don't think anybody would take the two MVPs. So, so I think that, um, Kawhi has a chance of really cementing himself in history in the NBA. And then after that, if, if they do win, then he has the next eight years to build that resume even more. Imagine if he wins another one or two and he winds up being five and one or something like that. You know, then you'd have to really look at him. And even though people would knock him for his load management and not playing all the games, you would still say he's been he was a winner. He was like the mm-hmm. ultimate winner. And I do think the legacy of not joining LeBron and taking 
because I always say he 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 didn't join the king. He joined the court jesters of the NBA. And if he's able to turn that around and win a championship back-to-back years with two franchises who had never won anything, I think that's amazing. Do we put Kawhi, if that happens, are we allowed to put Kawhi or at least begin the GOAT conversations with Kawhi? No, not yet. Not yet. I still think, I think he would just be considered a really great player. I'm just not in that conversation. You know, Michael being 6-0, and and even when people talk about LeBron, the three championships, but LeBron's numbers are crazy. I mean, he has the numbers to go with it. And Kawhi has missed a lot of games, injuries. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't go there yet. But if you would attack on a couple more championships and maybe one of a regular season MVP like a year or two from now when he's healthy and plays, you know what I mean? Then maybe you could start yeah. saying, dude, he's four and one. In the finals, you got three or four finals MVP, and then he won a, a, an MVP. Then you'd have to look at it and go, man, this this guy might have passed LeBron or might have passed Kevin Durant. Mm, interesting. You're checking out Rob Parker from Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports Radio. You can listen to him along with Chris Broussard every weekday, Monday through Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. So, Rob, I wanted to ask you, obviously, NFL season – is kicked off. Who are some of the teams that that most people are sleeping on that we should be aware of, especially this season, um, the way this season has played out? Not no preseason, no extended training camp, OTAs, and things of that nature. Who are some of the teams that we should be paying attention to for this NFL season? I'm trying to look at it from because most of the teams, to be honest, are teams we're expecting. I'll just give you my 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 biggest. I think it'll be a flop. A year ago, everybody was on the, the Cleveland Browns bandwagon. Nick, I know you were too, right? Uh, no, they can't absolutely be not. Absolutely. Okay. Rob, you know better than that. You, okay. <laughs> but you know, Nick, everybody went gaga. You remember that? Yes. Yes. They had, they had five national games, uh, on, right? They, they, oh my God, they went from a million to one to 14 to one to make it to the Super Bowl. I mean, it was like crazy. And then all of a sudden they turned the lights on and it didn't work out. And I'm going to say the same thing about the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think it's I think people have gone overboard thinking they're going to get to the Super Bowl. The NFC is loaded with good teams. Even the Saints in their own division is a better team than, than Tampa Bay. Tom Brady's 43 years old. Gronk had stopped playing competitively to be an actor in, in pro wrestling. I don't know where he is. Most guys who quit like that wind up hurt at some point. Uh, Shady McCoy, another, you know, they're like putting the band back together, old timers day. <laughs> they hadn't made the playoffs in, in 13 years, in 12 years, it'll be 13. So I think that's going to be the biggest flop. And people, Bruce Arians hasn't had a winning record since 2015. I can go on and on and on. And, and I want to see Tom Brady at 43 years old. I'm just not buying into it. I think the hype is way over the top, and we'll see as as time goes on. I'm not saying they're not going to win some games, but uh, but I'm just not buying into that automatically they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. Well, what do you see from Cam Newton? That new environment, new coach. Bill, him and Bill Belichick seem to be t- almost buddy buddy. Obviously, the division, the playing field has been leveled with the departure of Tom Brady and so many other uh, people in New England. What do you see happens with Cam Newton this season? Yeah, I think he'll flourish with 
Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator and whatnot, and he'll be he's playing for his career. You know, this is the plan for a new contract, plan for his career. This is big for uh, Cam Newton. I have them making the playoffs. I do. Not winning the division. I'm gonna, I picked the Jets to win the division, and I picked the Patriots to uh, make the playoffs in the AFC. Uh, I know everybody's picked Buffalo to win the division and whatnot, and I get it. They made the playoffs a year ago. But, you know, the NFL usually has some changes every year. It's not the same teams that made it the year before that always make it. So I'm going to make a couple of changes there. But I I expect Cam to play well. He's finally healthy. I think people have dissed him the last couple of years because they they never took into uh, into account his injuries. I mean, he was injured. I mean, I remember a national game watching. He couldn't even throw the football. Remember, they had to take him out of the game. And and people acted like that was, you know, like he was healthy playing that poorly. He was hurt, and he tried to play. So I'm looking forward to seeing Cam. Absolutely. One team, I want to take it out west really quick. One team I thought that slept on Cam before he was picked up by the New England Patriots were the Los Angeles Chargers. I thought he would have been a great fit, especially with the departure of Phillip Rivers. You already had Tyrod Taylor, who understands the system, and you could have had a guy like Cam Newton there to kind of in case anything happened. Um, but what do you see from the Chargers this year, and what do you see from the Los Angeles Rams with their new set of coordinators? And Jared Goff seems to be having some new moves coming into the season, along with some good drafting by the Rams. Yeah, I, I'm not uh, – Chargers, Tyrod Taylor is, is a, you know, a decent quarterback. I just don't think he gets you anywhere. I like that he doesn't turn the ball over. It's a big thing. So they'll win some games, but I don't have them – in the playoffs, and the same with the Rams. I don't know if that window came and went for the Rams. I'm, I'm, I'm not there. I know people were so crazy about uh, McVeigh, like he was the, the new hotness. And since he got undressed by Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl, I'm, I'm still not sure where that fits in. And Jared Goff will have to prove it to me because uh, last year he took a step back. Um, and uh, you know when they were high and mighty it was you know Todd Gurley had a big part of that and uh we'll have to see so I'm not I'm not there on either team in LA I have both of them not NOT making the playoffs tell us a little bit about what's coming up inside the Parker your your baseball podcast which is on the herd network uh that people can check out on on all streaming platforms give us a little insight on that yeah this week we're gonna have uh Andrew Jones you remember the uh, Atlanta Braves star yes. center fielder? So we'll talk with Andrew Jones. We'll also um, just catch up on what's going on in baseball. We we saw a first in baseball history, which is almost unbelievable to say that. We'll talk about the Tampa Bay Rays having a all-left-handed lineup. It had never been done where every batter was left-handed in the history of baseball. Wow. I think that's incredible. Baseball has been played for Almost a hundred and what, 150, 170 years. Yes. And they've never been an all left-handed lineup. So that happened this past week. So we'll do that. And also, I just want to say, uh, you know, if you go to my website, getrob.com, there's all kinds of odd couple merchandise and stuff you can buy. Also, my books, I have a couple books on there. Um, and I have a new book coming out in about a month. Um it's a story about my life, and it's called Rob Parker and the People Who Made Me. It's an interesting read. It's inspirational. It just tells you about 
uh, all the people I met on my on my on my journey in my career and how they helped me. And I'll just give you one little piece uh, of of one of the people. And and uh, when I was in high school in New York growing up, I wanted to start uh, an all sports newspaper. And I went in to meet the principal, and the principal told me that. No, we couldn't do it. He said, you know, the kids are only going to throw the the newspaper on the ground and there was no money for it. I mean, not encouraging at all. Can you imagine going in and being shot down because you're trying to start an all-sports newspaper in high school and, and I'm in the principal's office for nothing bad but for trying to be creative and him just basically telling me, no, we couldn't do it. So I said to him, I said, well, if I raise the money for the printing cost, can I do it? And he said, well, if you could pay for it, yeah, you can do it. So I went home. I went to my typewriter. Yes, in those days we had a typewriter. There was no laptops. <laughs> I went to the kitchen table with my typewriter. I wrote three letters, one to the publisher of the Daily News in New York, one for the publisher of the New York Times, and one to the publisher of the New York Post. The Daily News did not write me back. The New York Times wrote me back and said it was against their company policy to help other people start newspapers. And I thought to myself, I'm 16. How am I competition for the New York Times? You know, I couldn't believe that they wrote me that letter. But the last letter that I wrote, it was responded. And it came from the publisher of the New York Post. And his name was Rupert Murdoch, who, of course is the chairman of Fox, who, of course, is my boss now. And Rupert Murdoch, now, I don't know if he sent it, you know, or whoever was in his office, whoever opened his mail, Mm -hmm. sent me a check for $50 to start my newspaper. And that was in 1980. Forty years later, I'm working at Fox and working for the same guy. So it's inspirational stories like that that you can make your own way. but, But you have to have help from other people and to embrace when people are trying to help you and to look for mentors in those circumstances and situations and not be afraid to fail. So I could have just said, all right, the principal says no, and that's the end of it, and be on my way. But I tried to make my own way, and and I got help. And Rupert Murdoch, who didn't own Fox TV, there was no such thing. He was just a newspaper publisher back then. And I opened up the paper, I looked for his name. It said publisher, and that's why I addressed my letter to, and that's how I got started. So I have stories like that in this book. I'm very proud of it. I can't wait for it to come out. Uh, so we're about a month away from it being available, and you'll be able to get it on Amazon.com or at GetRob.com. Hey, that is incredible. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Rob. I definitely will be pre-ordering the book. So I look forward to talking to you later on once the book debuts and we'll have an opportunity to sit down and have a conversation about some things that you put in the book. Hopefully everybody makes you go out and support good literature. And that is definitely something worth the price of admission when it comes to literature and Rob Parker's story. Rob, please let everyone know where they can continue to follow you and keep up with all your great work because you're doing so much. So it's at Rob Parker FS1. That's on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me there. Again, you could also check out, you know, what I'm doing at getrob.com. There's, a, you know, my schedule, where I'm going to appear. You know, I'm on AM 570 every Friday with Rogan and Rodney. I have a weekly appearance. Also, this week I'll be on Getting Rogan 
with Fred Rogan and crew on uh, KNBC Los Angeles Channel 4. So, yep, the schedule continues. And, guys, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck. You guys keep doing uh, the good work. Thank you, Rob. We appreciate you. Definitely a great inspiration, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Peace. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, folks, welcome back to TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton here on Slam Radio, Sirius XM Channel 145. I have a guest who is going to help me break down some hot sports topics right now. You can catch him every weeknight on CBS Sports Radio. That's Sirius XM 206. He uh, from 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Uh, one of the hardest working people in the world of sports and entertainment, the host of JR Sport Brief. Ladies and gentlemen, JR. What's going on, sir? How are you? I'm good, Nick. How you doing, man? How's everything? Oh, good, man. How about yourself? Good, man. I'm living and breathing. I ain't got nothing to complain about. Not right yeah. now at all. Hey, man, you speaking my language. So let's get right into it. NFL uh, week one, the season has finally come upon us. We weren't sure uh, many months ago if this season was even going to exist, but we finally have it upon us. Uh, what are your thoughts? Because I've, I've gone around the NFL uh, it was described as wild, eerie, weird, yeah. welcoming. Uh, what were some of your thoughts and your takeaways from week one in the NFL? Well, I'm happy we we got the games right now. I say that first of all. And even up until this point, it looks like we have the games back and they're taking place in a in a safe manner. You know, it doesn't bother me too much. Uh, the fact that there are no fans in the, the stadium, in the arenas, that's okay. I mean, what what else would we expect? But it looks like we have we got solid football. Uh, you know, I, I know we have a, a couple of injuries. I know Marlon Mack tore his Achilles, but for not having even preseason games, I, I, I think this at least so far as of yesterday is best case scenario for the NFL. So I'm glad with, with, with what I saw. Absolutely. I mean, it, I was glad personally to see the NFL return, especially here in Los Angeles, but I, even across the nation when you had teams uh, competing. Some teams had fans, some teams didn't. However, when you look at uh, the overall landscape, I think the NFL is definitely warranted. We needed the NFL, obviously being the number one sport in the nation. Uh, this was something that with everything that we've been going through, with COVID-19 and social injustice and things of that nature. What what were some of your takeaways from week one? And what were some of the games that intrigued you and uh, some storylines that you, that you ran away with? Well, it was good to see Cam Newton back on the field for the new England Patriots and seeing him get that victory against Miami. It was, it was it, you, you could talk about how eerie it is to watch an NFL game and not have fans, but at the end of the day, it's still entertainment. Fans are a portion of it. Fans might make up the experience. Fans uh, might make the game without no fans. You know, we don't have this these businesses or any of these leagues to sit down and watch. But it is refreshing when you can, you know, you get a Cam Newton walking in. And I think he was wearing a bright yellow suit. You know, it's, it's things like that. Watching him score and run for two touchdowns. I mean, those are the things that you miss on a on a Sunday afternoon. Obviously, Cam's return was pretty cool to watch. Uh, Tom Brady and the the New England Patriots, or Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. See, I'm still calling saying he's with the with. The, I know, but Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, them getting that L against the Saints, which is not surprising. The Saints 
This is something that they've done consecutively with the same group for years, and they've been ad, been able to add some pieces. So um, those are pretty much two stories that I look. Cam Newton, Tom Brady, uh, obviously the Dallas Cowboys, we saw even with all of their offensive weapons when it comes down to the defensive line and the offensive line, uh, they have work to do. Uh, but those are those are three things that, that really stood out to me yesterday, amongst other things. The Browns, they played the Ravens, so hopefully that's the worst beating they take this year, only putting up uh, six points. Uh, so we got time. Still week one. Yeah, no pun intended, but the Browns did crap the bed uh, in, in week they one. Did. They, did. they did. I don't think that's the end of their beatdowns. I think they have a few more beatdowns coming up, coming sure. their way. Uh, the one thing that stood out, and I spoke about this earlier, earlier, the fact that Tom Brady threw multiple picks the first time uh, he's done that in probably two years because last season he had he had zero multiple pick games, mm -hmm. uh, which was interesting. And I think, too, part of it for me was the fact that there was no preseason, there was no OTAs, there was no uh, extended training camp as we are all accustomed to because of COVID-19. So when do you see these teams starting to jail and starting to play real serious NFL-style football like we're accustomed to looking at? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a stretch to say a couple of games. You know, maybe at the end of the day, these players have been practicing and scrimmaging against each other. You've been tackling the same guys. You've been blocking the same guys. There really hasn't been a variety of who you're looking at outside of your own team. And it's like anything, it comes with repetition. You know, I've never played professional football, you know, but I'd venture to say it's going to take uh, a couple of weeks probably across the board for, for players to really get in whatever groove they need to be in and, and get acclimated and get beat up. You know, I heard Cam Newton this morning on the radio. Granted, we know he hasn't played in fully almost, it seems like, in two years. And the fact of the matter is he's saying he forgot a little bit what a victory soreness feels like and so players they they they, they got to get beat up it's like anything you, you can ride a bike but you want to you want to hit that hit that 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 moment where everything is just the gears are running and you ain't doing all the work so it's going to take a couple of weeks i believe yeah i can see that i, I said about three to four because mm -hmm. you got to look at those three to four preseason games and then you kick into the regular season quote unquote sure um to me, were you surprised by the Dallas Cowboys losing to the L.A. Rams? Because there were a lot of the general consensus was that the Cowboys were going to come in. They were going to take care of their business. The Rams are going to sit there, just continuing to be the Rams that we saw in 2019. But this is a new Rams squad. I mean, they have new coordinators. I think that it takes some pressure off of head coach Sean McVay. You saw a difference in between Jerry Goff as far as his foot movement is concerned. Uh, what did you see with the Dallas Cowboys and were you surprised at all? Yeah, no, I was surprised. I expected the Dallas Cowboys, and I still think ultimately they'll win the NFC East. It would be a disappointment if they didn't. Uh, I expected them to go out last night and put up a, a lot of points up against the Rams, who seem to be their own team in, in transition now, even with the coordinators and some of the offensive players that they no longer have on the squad. Uh, and the Dallas Cowboys, they didn't do that, and they have time. Granted, it's not going to be easy. You're not going to have Aaron Donald in the middle every week, but that's not to say that that any defensive tackle or end that they have to face over the next subsequent weeks are, are going to be a cakewalk. And so I think last night it was really highlighted how the Cowboys, they do have uh, some new additions and pieces on their offensive line. Travis Frederick 
is going. They're trying to figure out their right tackle situation with, with Collins, and, and he's out. Hopefully he comes back, I guess, in about a month's time. So, you know, this is – it was not easy for the Cowboys last night. I expected them to go out and make a statement with their offense. But if you don't have time to, to get the work in, you can't get the ball to a receiver. So you can throw that idea out the window. But, yeah, I expected more out of the Cowboys last night. Absolutely. I, I, ironically, both Los Angeles teams won their games by three points. And the, and the other Los Angeles team that I'm speaking of is the Los Angeles Chargers, who faced the number one drafted rookie, Joe Burrow, in Cincinnati with the Bengals. Joe Burrow looked really well. I, I think he looked better to me than I expected him to look, especially with no preseason and no uh, extended training camp. What, 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 what stood out in your estimation for, with Joe Burrow? And he was so close to getting that first victory, sure. man. But the Bengals are going to be the Bengals. Yeah, the Bengals are going to be the Bengals and, and can't execute a field goal to, to even get out there. We saw the look on his face. Uh, Joe Burrow, he threw the ball more than I thought he would. I, I believe he threw it more than 30-plus times. Uh, he was sacked three times. I pretty much expected that. I know Joey Bosa got one of those, those sacks on him. And I, I think this is, a, this is a good look for him. I mean, Joey Bosa, we know, not Joey Bosa, but Joe Burrow, we know that he has he has some receivers to get that ball to. It doesn't matter if it's Boyd or Green returning and drafting of Higgins. He has guys to get the ball to. And at the same time, if they want to run the ball, I mean, you you, you just paid uh, Mixon. So I, I was actually surprised that they didn't go a little bit more on the run side uh, to try to play it a little safe. But they got full confidence in him. And the fact that they're going to have him throw 30-plus times right out the gate, uh, hey, chains off. Go out there and, and, and run around and go play. Oh, absolutely. I think Joe Burrow was definitely impressive, scored his first touchdown. But the Los Angeles Chargers had a new quarterback with Tyrod Taylor. But it seemed like they had more success on the ground versus the air. Uh, UCLA rookie. Uh, Joshua Kelly was phenomenal, especially in the yeah. second half. I mean, they gave him they gave him the ball as necessary, and he definitely paid dividends for him. What did you see out of Joshua Kelly, that, if, if, if anything, that impressed you? Well, I didn't see too much of that game, but I did have a chance to, to look at the numbers. And then you hit the nail on the head when it came to what the Chargers did. They have they have receivers, too. But ultimately, when I when I look at the Chargers, I still see a team and transition. I, I was glad to see that Hunter Henry was able to, to actually stay out there and be healthy. And then you still have a, a Keenan Allen, you still have a Williams, but at the end of the day, it's going to boil down to, okay, when is Herbert going to be ready? Is he going to be ready midway through the season? Is he going to be ready at the end of the season? So, and that's the unfortunate part when you, when you have a, a rookie quarterback that you drafted so high on the clock. It doesn't matter what happens on a week-to-week basis. It's great. Tyrod won. The team, they won. You know, he has his job for another week. Nobody will be screaming for him. But what's the big firecracker coming out of it? You know, did Tyrod wow anybody? I can look at the stat sheet. I could say no. And so it's just a matter of, of time. It's just like, okay, when is, when is, when is Herbert going to be ready? That's how I view it. Yeah, speaking of firecrackers, there was a shootout up in the Bay Area between the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers, and Kyler Murray looked a lot better than he has last season. Obviously, he had a new weapon with DeAndre Hopkins, who mm -hmm. was phenomenal. Uh, what did you see out of Kyler Murray? What did you see, uh, you know, with that? Where do you see the Arizona Cardinals going 
this season as opposed to what they finished last year? Well, I think last year, I believe they went 5-10 and, and finished with a tie. This year, I certainly expect for them at minimum to compete for a wild card spot. And I think it's a beautiful thing when you could come out and, and, and beat the defending NFC champs who happen to be in your division. That's a, a great statement uh, to make. Obviously, Kyler Murray, I believe he led the squad in rushing yesterday. I think he had almost what, between 70 and 90 yards just on the ground rushing himself. And then uh, DeAndre pulled in, what, 14 catches? So it, he was the main target. And it's going to be a beautiful thing to watch them. You know, I don't know. I'm not so sure if they're just going to go out and own the division. I'm not ready to say even after this week one over the 49ers that uh, the Cardinals will win the division. But I certainly believe they're going to compete for a playoff spot. Absolutely. I think I think they're on the rise. I think they continue to elevate, stay healthy, of course, add some more pieces uh, to that mixture. I think Kyler Murray could have a, a really good career moving forward in those who are around him. Speaking of competing in the playoff, but the NBA playoffs, we know that the Los Angeles Lakers completed their task in destroying the Houston Rockets in the in the uh, playoff series. They beat them four games to one. Uh, we saw Russell Westbrook get into it with Rajon Rondo's brother, who a lot of people said, oh, they don't, you know, they don't want any problems with, with Russell. But to me, if you know what you know, Rajon Rondo's brother ain't no punk. So I think it needs to stay in the stands. I think Russell needs to stay on the court and handle his business. What did you see in that series? Uh, and, and, and where do the Lakers go from here as far as can they actually win their 17th championship as they move towards the Western Conference Finals? I believe so. I believe so. I mean, even if you, you you look at the other Los Angeles matchup, the other West matchup over the weekend, the Denver Nuggets, they 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 don't refuse. They're not leaving like they're not going quietly. It's like every series that they play in. We got to take it to the final minute, the final second. And here we have the, the Clippers going to game seven. So when it comes down to the Lakers, I think momentum is back on their side. This was best case scenario to close out the, the Houston Rockets and take them four to one. It was nice. To, it, granted, it was a blowout, but it was nice to see multiple Lakers. I think about six or seven Lakers ended up scoring in double digits. And the Lakers are not going to win a championship if Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell Pope, if these dudes are scoring you know, two and four points. That's that's not going to cut it. You know, people call me on my radio show and it's just like, oh, well, they need them for defense and only to hit a three every now and then. So what are they supposed to be? Useless warm bodies on on offense the rest of the way? No, that's not that's not how the game works. So it's good to see that they are threats. I hope that they at least have a boost in confidence. Rajon Rondo has led the charge since he's been back in that series and, and at least being another ball handler, being able to initiate the offense. It doesn't just have to be LeBron, 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 LeBron. And so at this point in time, the Lakers are looking good. I would, I still think that the Clippers will get by the Nuggets. And if for whatever reason, if, even if they don't for right now, I would still go ahead and give the, the Lakers the, the edge to go to the finals and then uh, ultimately win it because I think experience can really trump all. Absolutely. You speak about the Clippers. Now, I'm a little concerned about the Clippers now because I, I, I called the Clippers Denver series in six. I said the Clippers would take care of business. But unfortunately, they continue to blow 16 plus point leads late in the second half. 
and that's been their Achilles heel. I mean, they've been phenomenal on defense the first three and a half quarters, and then it seems like they just take their foot off the gas, whether it's overconfidence, whether it's it's energy level. I don't know what it is. Uh, but at the same time, if, if for Clipper fans out there, it is comforting that Doc Rivers did in that 2008 Boston Celtics team, they pretty much played 26 out of 28 games before winning the, the world championship in 2008. So if that's any consolation to Clipper fans, mm-hmm. hey, you may have to go to a game seven sometimes to get the job done. Where do you see the Clippers? I, we, we talked about their intense defense. Do the Clippers have enough not only to get past Denver, but can they still get past the Los Angeles Lakers? Oh, yeah, absolutely they can. It wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if the Clippers beat uh, the Lakers to go to the finals. Having said that, I'll still give the Lakers the edge. And, and that boils down to the experience of one of the greatest basketball players ever. It's going to be hard to, to, quote unquote, be denied. And the way I look at it is, OK, knock off the guy who's the king of the mountain. LeBron James has been the king of the mountain in the NBA for 15 years. He is the benchmark. And we could talk about what he is or what he isn't or where he ranks all time. None of that matters. Nobody has more championship experience in the NBA and performing at a high level in big spots than him. And if I need to look at somebody to go ahead and and kind of will somebody through, I would go ahead and look at him. We've seen Kawhi Leonard. I mean, he is a robot. How many automatic 30-point games can you have where he's going and killing it in the mid-range? You can just about count on Kawhi. And, you know, maybe he has a bad game and gives you, quote-unquote, 15 or or 14 points or whatever the case may be. But the Clippers have so much depth. You know, there was a game, I think it was two games ago, maybe it was the last one, where Lou Williams and and Montrez, they combined for, for 10 points. And, you know, they just got a lot of bodies to throw at you. But for right now, and they they look like where they were in the regular season, where you can have all the talent and all the players in the world, but they haven't played together enough to execute. And so you can have the talent, but how does it fit together to actually win games? And I think the Lakers, they their confidence has increased throughout the playoffs, especially starting off against Portland and being able to to kind of run through Houston right now, I'd be, I'd be looking my chops. Oh, absolutely. What do you, what do you see out of the series between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat? Uh, that's, that should be, a, I, I call that series. To go I agree. Seven. I agree. Say? I believe the series will go seven and I, I tend, they're both, they're two young teams. Obviously the Miami Heat are more of a, a legacy foundation uh, uh, in the NBA, when you think about Pat Riley and you think about Eric Spolstra being the longest tenured coach only behind Greg Popovich, uh, it's easy to say, I'm going to go with that squad. But I like the Celtics. I can look at the coaching and say, I feel it's a wash. I don't think Brad Stevens is a bad coach. I don't, Eric Spolstra definitely is not a bad coach. But I'm going to go with, with Boston in seven it, just because I think they have pl- more players who are capable of going off by themselves. You know, you think about the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler, nobody's going to confuse him with a scorer. He's an all-star. He's a great player. He's a great mid-range player. He's a great all-around guy. But Jimmy Butler, yeah, okay, he can go for 30. He can go for 40. But if I'm looking at Kemba Walker, if I'm looking at Jason Tatum, if I'm even then looking at Brown, uh, you don't know what you're going to get in a spurt. Maybe you get nothing out of Gordon Hayward if he can come back. But I look at some of those guys and I say, okay, they can go off 
all by themselves in multiple ways. And I look at the Heat and I say, okay, solid defense, scrappy, whatever you want to call it. And they got they got shooters. They got young shooters. Look, Duncan Robinson can give you 18 points and he could shoot, you know, five three pointers to get you there. Or maybe he's going to shoot nine three pointers and hit eight of them. And Tyler Hero is I think he's going to be a great NBA player. I think he's already solid and we can go on. But I, I just I don't trust like young jump shooters consistently. I, I don't. And I, I just see the Celtics as, as having too many guys who have gotten, and even though they're young, I, I remember Jason Tatum going at LeBron in the playoffs his rookie year. And I, I, I think that experience of being a little bit older, having a little bit more offensive firepower, I think that that makes the difference. Oh, absolutely. I love that. I think you made some very interesting points. It's going to be a great series, no, sure. no question. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Please let everybody know where they can continue to keep up with all of your great work. Uh, you are on a nationwide takeover, man. I see you on the East Coast. You're on the West Coast. Let her, let everyone know where they can continue to keep up with you, man. You're one of the busiest mans in the, in the game. Thank you. I'm on every single night on CBS Sports Radio. I do four hours starting at, at 7 p.m. Pacific. 10 p.m. Eastern time. So you can do that Monday through Friday. Uh, on the weekends now, for, for the rest of this month, I'll be on KTLA, uh, hanging out on the, the weekends, doing uh, the sports segment. And that is uh, Saturday and Sunday at uh, 7.15 in the morning. And that's pretty much where you can keep up with me. And then all my social media is at JR Sport Brief. All right. The one and only JR. Make sure you check him out, man. He is definitely one of the greats in our profession and uh get has some great takes as well so thank you so much jr and we look forward to talking with you soon anytime always a pleasure nick talk to you soon brother you keep being amazing how you are thank you man i appreciate that Later, you're checking out tma extra dose with nick hamilton here on sirius slam radio channel 145 make sure you stay tuned we'll be right back this is sirius xm 145 slam radio Hey, everybody, welcome back to TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton here on Slam Radio, Sirius XM 145. Make sure you check me out on all things social media and follow me at Nick Hamilton LA. Now, as you well know, as I spoke about earlier in the program, there's a segment called My Three Cents, which I talk about any and everything, whether it's sports, pop culture, entertainment, politics, whatever's popping. That's what I'm going to be talking about. Now, I don't know if you had a chance to check it out. But we all know who John Wall is. He's the NBA guard for the Washington Wizards. And we all know that John Wall has been battling some injuries and made a a nice comeback. He's definitely one of the most talented guards, I believe, in the NBA. And hopefully he has a much better season in the year 2021. But something that definitely disappointed me, uh, there was a video that surfaced uh, recently. I believe something happened over the weekend uh, where he was at a party. And he was, you know, getting excited. Maybe he had a little too much to drink. And he decided to throw up gang signs. He threw up a red flag. And if anybody is familiar with that, that is a symbol to acknowledge that you may be a member of the Bloods. Now, my problem with that is simply this. Number one, kids look up to you. So you're sending a a very bad message and promoting something that most kids do not understand that don't come from those type of environments. Me living in Los Angeles growing up in the late 80s and early 90s, 
I understand what gang culture is all about because we created gang culture when it came to Bloods and Crips. Okay, so I've witnessed quite a few people be beaten behind that, killed. I've gone to numerous funerals regarding that. So I don't take it as a laughing matter. I don't take it as a joking matter. It's a serious situation. I know now it's not so intense as it was back in the 90s, but it's still serious nonetheless. And people still get hurt behind it. And when you're throwing up gang symbols and you're trying to represent yourself and affiliate yourself with a particular gang side, I don't care if it's Bloods, Crips, or what have you, that sends a very bad message. And you, to me, you're too damn old to be gangbanging or want to act like you're gangbanging and thinking that stuff is cool when so many people have died as a result of that. And so many people have been hurt and maimed as a result of that for, for many, many years. So to me, I have a huge issue with that. Uh, I know he I know John Wall came out and apologized after the fact, saying that, you know, he apologized for his actions and things like that. But let me tell you something. And I'm not saying he's not sincere in his apology, but people don't forget the, the visual vivid images that they witnessed before that apology. And that's going to go on for a lifetime. And also, you put yourself in a predicament where if you go to certain cities, they may be looking at you a little bit funnier than they normally would just because you're simply an NBA rich player. They'll be looking at you now from a street perspective. And if you're not part of this street life, don't get involved with it. And lot, I don't understand for the life of me, you make millions of dollars. You grind, you hustle, you have your blood, sweat, and tears to get yourself out of a situation. And now you want to go back to that same situation. I know people personally that work their lives to the bone to try to get out of those situations so they would no longer have to be a part of those issues. And here you are a multi-millionaire and you want to think you want to glamorize and think it's cool. No, man, that's the problem. And these kids who emulate you would think that it's cool that cannot get out of these these environments will think it's cool and get themselves hurt or possibly killed behind it. So that's the problem I have. Those that's my three cents. Please be aware. John Wall, do better and make sure and understand that you're not just about John Wall the basketball player that you are john wall the man that kids will look up to and try to emulate so next time you you get a little too much to drink or you get a little too comfortable be aware that you're always being filmed and be aware of what's being filmed about you because it could be a detriment moving forward and you could lose some endorsements and some potential endorsements behind that because corporations don't want to deal with that type of element or they fear that type of element because they fear what they simply do not understand all right, y'all, that's my three cents for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to TMA Extra Dose with Nick Hamilton here on Slam Radio Sirius 145. I'll be back every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific time. Make sure you download the app to listen to me live. Catch me on all streaming platforms. Until next time, please be safe. Take care of each other. Much love. We're out.